This is Chicago's College Tailgate. Tailgate. Shay Norman and Tyler Atkins. Shay and Tyler on ESPN Chicago. to Chicago's College Tailgate presented by Twin Peaks. Tyler Rocky, Shane Norling. We talk college football with you every single Saturday from 9 to 11 a.m. right here on ESPN 1000. And Shay, I think the theme for today's slate of games is it's a boomer bust day. You look at every single game on the slate, it is either awesome or it is, eh, I can do without. I don't need that game on my television here. But, boy, there are some really good ones Oh, you, know, you don't want to get into a little Wisconsin-Iowa on a gloomy Big Ten Saturday afternoon? Quite frankly, I don't. Oh, I this don't. guy. How about that? I don't. Oh, the I, Big Ten. I, I, your I slate stinks. Look at the Big Ten totals across the board today. There's threes. They all start with threes pretty much today. <laughs> well, look at the weather outside. <laughs> Listen, I get it. It's part of the territory. It's part of the region. But that's where we're at right now with college football as we have – Hit the halfway point of the season. Today, when today's slate of games concludes, we will be at the halfway point for the college football season. It's sad. It's going by too fast. Football season in general. I feel like just weeks ago, we were sitting down to do the off-season conference preview podcast. We started those in July. That feels like it was just a couple of weeks ago. three months ago, brother. Here we are halfway through the season. It's crazy how, like I've always thought about this too, is... The anticipation of football season feels like it takes so long, but mm-hmm. the buildup is like you get so excited about it, and then you blink, and here we are halfway through the year. Yeah. It, it, it's Another thing, too, is we're in week seven of the season right now, and this is just a weird me thing, but I think the gap between the number six and the number seven is larger than any other numbers. Yeah. So I th- the gap between six and seven is a large gap, in yeah. my opinion. I, I kind of feel the same way. Like It's bigger than the gap between 7 and 8. It's bigger than the gap between 5 and 6. The gap between 6 and 7 is ginormous. It's really interesting. Like We've talked a lot, too, about just how fun this year in college football kind of feels like. And I think if you're in Chicago, you might be getting into it a little more because have you heard of Caleb Williams? Yes. Like that's dominated well, the conversation the lately. Pick your quarterback. There's so many good quarterbacks. We, we started this year, or I guess not started, but like after a couple of NFL weeks in the books, it was on to, all right, we're going to watch the college quarterbacks every single week in this city because we may need one here. And you get a premium event tonight, Caleb Williams, yes. against a really good defense on the road, hostile environment. Weather could be a factor like this. This is what you look for if you're a college football fan or really just a football fan in Chicago. But getting back to like just how enjoyable of a season this has been so far as we hit the halfway point. Like we talked about it, Tyler, on the uh, podcast this week when we recap things yeah. on the ESPN Chicago app. Check it out every single Monday. There are no elite teams. Like, when I look around, like, Georgia, Michigan starting to assert themselves and separate from the pack a little bit. But there are six, seven, eight teams that you could tell me finish the season undefeated, and I wouldn't be shocked. Like, this is, it's not a chaos year. You don't have a TCU coming in and upsetting the apple cart out of nowhere. Like, we're going to get there, though, soon. Because now we're hitting the point of every game's a conference game pretty much from here on out. Like, now we're going to get some of the chaos 
moving forward. Who is the team, though? Like, th- to me, what's interesting this year is all of the teams that could come in out of nowhere are kind of brands, and nobody's coming from nowhere here. That's a good point, because I was going to say, well, the team is Oklahoma, right? But, but that's, that's a, a brand. brand. You have a mm-hmm. brand. Like, Brent Venables, the head coach, is a brand. Mm-hmm. You have... But so Phil, much going on. And you might brand. have a Heisman Trophy winner. We'll get to that. But this is his first big head coaching job, too. True. But it is like they have so many resources. It's not a TCU coming out of nowhere. Like, could you, could you argue Louisville in a but tough spot today going to Pitt? Yeah. And we just, they have a Pitt brutal also, end of the season. Pitt's also been that ACC team. That kind of dashes your dreams. They are the ACC version of Purdue. The spoiler yes. makers. Mm-hmm. That's... Pat Narduzzi's pit squad. Yep. That, Except that, the one year with Kenny Pickett where they, where they actually, were actually were good. good. Otherwise, they're just like bad, mm-hmm. but they'll have with a couple defenses. huge upsets yeah. that ruin the ACC. Mm-hmm. That's how it usually goes. All right, but let's get into the one of the premier matchups of the day and one that I'm sure plenty of folks around here are privy to, and that is USC and Notre Dame. And if the streets have been any indication of what the turnout in South Bend is going to be like today. I think there's going to be quite a few USC fans there because both you and I noticed, and Justin Pottinger, our producer, as well noticed, there have been a lot of USC fans patrolling the streets of Chicago over the last day. Yeah, on my drive-in, just coming through the loop, I saw way more USC crewnecks than I have maybe seen in my entire life. Oh, so you saw crewnecks? Yeah. USC doesn't strike me as a big crewneck fan base. What does I, that even mean? Crewneck is like old-timey. <laughs> what are like you talking about? Northwestern crewneck fan base. The crewneck is back. No, 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 no come no. on. Northwestern. Northwest, Notre Dame crewneck fan base. But USC. I don't even know what this means. No, no, no. You got to explain the crewneck okay, deal here. I will. The crewneck fan bases are like the the elitist type schools. Michigan, crewneck fan base. Michigan State, though, they're like your Nike elite fan base. They're wearing like the, the coach's jacket or the, okay. the quarter zip or Starter the hoodie. jacket back yeah. in the 90s? Yeah, yeah. They, they, they wear like a little cooler stuff, all right? But you get some of these programs like Notre Dame. Are crewnecks not cool now? That's Crewnecks what we're doing? Like, no, but, like, you can see, like, the old guy walking down the street or at the tailgate, like, kind of hobbling around in his crew neck, right? You can see that. Notre Dame. It's a lot of Big Ten schools. I, actually, are I feel insulted <laughs> because I'm a crew neck guy in general. Now I, I feel. I've never pegged you as a crew neck guy. Well, though. I'm in a hoodie today, so it's not working. But I'm, I'm generally, I like the crew neck look. Now I feel insulted. You're, you're calling me old. I'm not calling you old. That's what you just I don't, did. I don't think you're... You're li- you just no, 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 called no. me old. It's, no, it's you a, see the old man hobbling around the tailgate in his crew many, neck. How many times do you wear a crew neck to a game, though? It's a game attire only. Like, how many Michigan State crew necks do you own? Uh, at least one off the top of my head. I haven't worn it in a while, but I have at least one Michigan State crew neck. And, like, when I go and browse for new college football apparel, like, I want to get an Appalachian State thing because I'm a freak. Uh, I, I look for crew necks. That's, like, I prefer the crew neck style. Hoodies tend to be a little bit more expensive. I like a crew neck. I need the hood. Is your Syracuse, is that a hoodie? This the, is a hoodie, yeah. Not that one, but the, uh, the, the other, other one, one the yeah, cursive yeah. Qs, that's yeah, a hoodie, that's too? that's a hoodie. Mm-hmm. I, but I never knew that crewnecks were the uh, pulling an old of the week it's here. Not, that's, uh, listen, it's not You insult. said you can see the old elitist man hobbling around the tailgate in his crewneck. 
it's not an insult. It's just the there's crew neck fan bases and there's hoodie fan bases. I'm also surprised that apparently USC is not an elitist school. No, USC. Have you met Chris Black? Are you are you calling Chris an elitist? Uh, Chris? No, no, no. USC is like the the trendy like they're a big quarter zip and coach's jacket fan base. That's what they are. Because they it, they've got the the great oh, colors, the quarter cool zip apparel. feels more offensive than a crew neck. How is that more offensive? I just so buttoned up and proper like the quarter zip. I feel like you're going to a no, dinner but if party. It's, if it's it's not like some wool quarter zip, some cashmere quarter zip. It's like the Nike sort of dry fit material. That's what you're working right. with there. All, all right. right, let's get back to all, the game. All yeah. of this to say, all of this USC say. is patrolling the Midwest. <laughs> yes, they are going to invade uh, South Bend tonight. Yep, and it is going to be one of the best games on the slate tonight because you've got one of the best offenses in the country going up against one of the best defenses in the country. And this is a game that I think Notre Dame is going to run all over USC. I mean, talk about the Matador defense. That is the USC Trojans this year. Last week, a game that, quite frankly, the Trojans should have lost. And... We have just kind of been waiting for this USC bubble to pop, and we haven't seen it yet. This could be the game, and I think if it was two undefeateds going into this one, it would be the game. But what does Notre Dame have to play for? After a loss to Louisville and a loss, or, uh, another loss earlier in the season as well to, to Ohio State and a heartbreaker, and quite frankly, a game you should have lost against... Duke as well. Like this team has been put on the ropes in the last three weeks, and I don't know. I I can't see it with this Notre Dame team today. I don't think they can pull this out against Caleb Williams, who's looking for a bounce back game. And honestly, if you go and look through, like PFF does a great job, Pro Football Focus, of getting some of the advanced numbers and just distilling them into a grade. I know some people don't love it. Mm -hmm. I I happen to like it. If you go and look at Notre Dame's highest graded performances, it's Tennessee State, Central Michigan, Navy. And when they hit Ohio State, Duke, and Louisville, the grades fell off a cliff. Like, to me, you've got a Notre Dame team that analytically should win this game. Feels like the better side. They run the hell out of the ball. They play defense. They cover well. They're the matchup gonna, should be good for Notre Dame in this game. They get pressure. It feels like a kind of rare instance where USC is going to be in a spot where the offense doesn't get to do what they want. I'm willing to write off the Arizona struggles. I think that's a game for USC. You're getting back to Los Angeles. You know Arizona's not very good. Maybe you got caught looking ahead because you had Notre Dame on deck. I can write that off. That's a college football thing. Mm -hmm. That's a spot that exists. You can talk to anybody. That's a real thing. You get caught looking to a future opponent, and and you kind of overlook the current bad one. Right, and I don't think the Colorado game, even though it was a one-possession game at the end, USC was in firm control of that entire football Absolutely. game. I keep telling people it, that game was 48-21. to 21. It was mm-hmm. over. I don't mm-hmm. care what happens after that. Yes. As long as you don't lose the game. Right. Um, but I just, this Notre Dame team, Tyler, like, the Ohio State game was a heartbreaker. And Ohio State drugged them into a rock fight. I mean, that was a bloodbath in South Bend. And Ohio State gets the win at the end, toughs it out, great. That maybe doesn't look as good for Ohio State. That's a different conversation. You go to Duke, 
and you win in heart attack fashion Mm -hmm. in a game where Duke made you play a rock fight and made things super physical and you couldn't do all of the things that you wanted to do, especially in the running game. Then you go to Louisville and honestly, like 33 to 20 is a little bit generous. The game was never that close. Like, Notre Dame got raced out of that stadium by Louisville. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think they've been through a brutal stretch. You get four straight primetime games, including tonight, and you don't get a break in the caliber of opponent. In fact, now you might be playing the best opponent you've seen yet. And that, for me, is like your season's over. You don't have a conference title because you don't play in a conference. You're not getting to the playoff with two losses in not playing in a conference. Mm-hmm. And now you get USC, who, let's be honest about it, After the Arizona game last week, Blinken Riley knows as well as you and me and everybody else, they got to put a crooked number up. Because that Pac-12 is brutal. And if they want to get through with a loss and still have a chance to go to the playoff, they need to win this game with a crooked number. Five games left for USC. You ready for the schedule the rest of the way? At Notre Dame tonight, then home against Utah, at Cal, home against Washington, on the road against Oregon, home against UCLA. What a bear of a schedule that is the rest of the way. And listen, this USC team, like I, I say like the matchup's there for, for Notre Dame, but it's also there for USC to a degree too because this is going to be the best team that Notre Dame's faced so far. Notre Dame hasn't faced a team yet that's capable of putting up 40 on them every single – like. This Notre Dame team, or the, the this USC team, the lowest point total they've produced so far this year is 42. Because this team's not playing a rock fight. They're just not capable of it. They're too good offensively. Yeah. They're number one in S&P Plus offensively. I mean, I think you bring up a really good point, too, because, like, outside of Ohio State, the teams, and Ohio State offensively, look at them at Maryland, off of a bye week, going down 17-10, the third down rate in the first half. Ohio State looks like trash relative to what they typically are. The offense just doesn't move the ball very well. Like, if I go through the schedule, Navy, we know, is a triple option. Tennessee State, you're not taking them seriously. NC State, I anybody out there, if you've watched NC State football, I apologize. Brennan Anderson, the quarterback. Armstrong, yeah. Armstrong. Brennan Armstrong, the quarterback, is horrible. Terrible. And they just they play a really ugly style of football. They're terrible. Central Michigan, MAC team, we know. Mm-hmm. Ohio State, I told you the offense looks terrible. Duke only had Riley Leonard in that game. Honestly, they were lucky to score the two touchdowns that they did. And then Louisville, it just that's a spot for Notre Dame. You really never had a chance. I don't think Louisville's great shakes. They're not bad. But, like, you're right. USC now, this is the first time that Notre Dame's going to line up and there's a legit high-flying offense on the other side. Yeah. Like, Ohio State is not the Ohio State team that we've seen the past three years. So I I really like the Trojans in, the, in this spot. I, I think even if it is a game that is played in unideal conditions, Caleb Williams is a magician. And, sure, Notre Dame's going to get pressure. But who is the best quarterback in the country at extending plays? Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams. And I think you're going to see some magic moments from him today. Yeah, and a lot of people think it's just, I hold the ball too long, Caleb Williams. Uh, He's also really good. Like, if you think it's just the offensive line is fantastic and he's just holding the ball forever because he wants to play hero ball, then I don't believe you're watching USC play football. He's incredible in the pocket. 
Like mm-hmm. that, he's amazing at extending plays, evading pass rushers. I'm really excited to watch this, and I kind of lean Trojans as well. All right, when we come back, we will get into the game that is most highly contested between myself and Shane Norling all season long. Oregon, Washington will break it down coming up next on Chicago's College Tailgate. And Tyler, Tyler, Chicago's College Tailgate returns in a flash on ESPN Chicago. Chicago's football game day starts with Chicago's College Tailgate. From red shirts to mascots to your school's alma mater, Chicago's College Tailgate has it all. Now back to the show with Shay and Tyler on ESPN Chicago. Talking college football with you until 11 a.m. here on ESPN 1000. Every single Saturday, Tyler Rocky and Shane Norling. And speaking of going on the road, we've got an event coming up next week here, Mr. Norling. We are heading out to Fackies in DeKalb, a staple, a staple uh, right outside the Northern Illinois campus. Uh, We will be there a week from today doing the show 9 to 11 a.m. Right here on ESPN 1000, but we will be at Fatty's in DeKalb, yeah. 1312 West Lincoln Highway. My buddy's actually uh, calling the uh, NIU game today. I think they're playing Ohio. And wonderful. He's going to, he went to Fatty's last night for him and his, uh, his partner, Dustin Fox. They were at Fatty's last night. So that Ohio defense. This is how I know I watch too much. This is how I know I watch too much college football. Coming up next week. No, I'm excited. That Ohio defense. We're going to get you set for NIU and Eastern Michigan Huskies and Eagles. I'm excited, dude. I've heard wonderful things about about this place. I'm really excited to get out there, and uh, it's going to be a great event. Going to be a great time. Come hang out, talk some college football, and get set for Huskies and Eagles. Shay is making his rare public appearance, too. A couple in a week, week and a half uh, stretch here, They're not too. that rare anymore. I'm doing them weekly I know. now. Yeah, so we will be at Fatty's in the Cal, 1312 West Lincoln Highway uh, next week. Week from today, 9 to 11 a.m. out in DeKalb. All right, let's get into the best game on the slate today, and that is a Pac-12 battle between Oregon and Washington, a future Big Ten battle might I add as well, as we are on opposite sides of this game. Well, I love the Oregon Ducks this year. I, th- I Like mm-hmm. Dan Lanning, I was very happy with what he did to Colorado. Destro- I know you were. <laughs> destroying the hype machine. Dan Lanning, my hero. Uh, and this Oregon team, Tyler, to me, is like up there with Texas, up there with now Oklahoma, you have to say, they're up there to me with Michigan and Georgia as one of the most complete teams in America. They do it on both sides of the ball. They'll line up, stand up, punch you in the mouth, play defense. At the same time, Bo Nix, a potential Heisman winner, the offense, they score with anybody. Like Washington on the other side, your team today, mm-hmm. might just be special. They might just have like this NFL-style special offense. But this Oregon team, I feel more confident in as a national title type of team. And, I, dude, I just I like the Oregon Ducks this year. I like what they've put together. I know the narrative's on Road Bo Nix. He's terrible, the home versus road splits. But I like this spot for Oregon. You like the spot, really? Yeah. You so- get a top defense in Oregon against a 
bottom or uh, defense that's outside the top 50 in Washington. I just I feel like the more complete team here is the dog. In I Oregon. don't think Washington's defense is that bad. I like they may be outside the top 50, but let's remember this team has only played halves. They they play halves fair, and the game is over. You let go of the rope a little bit. You throw in some second stringers in the second half because the offense is putting up 30, 35 points in the first half. And that's why some of the metrics aren't there. Like, outside the top 50 maybe in, in terms of, like, standard numbers, but when you get into some of the advanced numbers, Washington's S&P Plus rank is 26th on defense. You know what's so interesting is a lot of this week among college football people has been spent talking about, boy, USC and how much they struggled against Arizona. Why isn't anybody talking about how much Washington struggled against Arizona? Well, because they were up, I think, pretty decently in that game. I got to go back and check it, but they were they had a comfortable lead, I believe, in that point. I don't it know went, that it was that like they didn't go to overtime, but it was thirty-one twenty-four. I don't think it was ever it was a blowout. Twenty-eight to ten in the third quarter. All right, well, it just that's a Washington team going in. Everybody's like they're going to hang fifty again. All they do is you know Michael Penix Jr. five touchdowns automatic light them up like, and they didn't. And I just wonder why nobody's talking about that side of things again. Twenty-eight to ten. I didn't realize it had gotten that out of hand in the third quarter. In that case, look, whatever happens when you're up eighteen points going late, I don't really. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to take too much out of Arizona yeah, uh-huh. making that a one score game. But I did think the Washington offense should have done more little... than they did. It was sluggish. No, I agree. I agree on that front. There, like Michael Penix did not throw a touchdown in that game, um, but they've got the multi dimensions to their team. They can run the ball. They can. Obviously, air it out when you've got a, a quarterback who is in the the Heisman conversation, the Heisman favorite, in fact. But I'd imagine that the winner of this game, you'll probably see the be the favorite in the Heisman race after, right? Like, Absolutely, because you're going to need a quarterback performance to barring, win this game. Barring what Caleb does tonight, like that's what's really interesting is the Heisman race right now, which we'll talk about in a little bit. This game probably impacts it more than any other all season with Knicks and uh, Michael Penix on either side. One of them has to take a loss. The other thing that's fascinating about this is it's so rare that you get a matchup. It's the first time in history these two teams are meeting in the top ten, both of them in the top ten. They're also both off of a bye week. Yes. Like I was going to bring that up, too. This should be absolutely electric. Mm-hmm. The, like This is both teams at full strength. Off the bye, both in the top 10, both trying to win the Pac-12, both trying to win national titles. This should be an electric watch. Right. It, it is the most ideal situation. Like, the only other thing you could ask for for this game is neutral site. Yeah. For, like, a real war. But the, like you mentioned, the off the bye weeks there I thought was fascinating. When we were preview or not previewing this game, but mentioning ahead, this game... Yeah. A couple weeks ago, we were like, hmm. I was like, oh, Washington's off a of bye. And then you were like, oh, my God, Oregon's also off a of bye. Yeah, that and that makes incredible football. It's ideal. You get guys healthier. I think it's perfect. Now, I'm wondering, too, maybe we see a little bit of a, a sluggish start out of the gate because both teams are off the bye, at least from an offensive standpoint. But I think once we get into the third quarter, 
this thing's going to get really ramped up, and you're going to see a back-and-forth slugfest. If you remember last year, I think this game had a total in the 70s when Oregon and Washington played, and both teams were settling for field goals, and it still went over. Like, this, everything about this game screams must-watch TV. Like, mm-hmm. if you're sitting at home today... You're not going outside. It's the worst weather we've had all fall, pouring rain. Get this on your television. There's no way that this game won't be exciting. This this is as close to the NFL as college football gets. You've got a three-point spread in a game with a total in the 60s. Like, this is Rams-Chiefs back Mm -hmm. in 2018. This is as good as it gets. I've got a question for you about this game. Is this the most excited you've been for a game this year? Yeah. There have been a couple. Or, like you think o- about Oklahoma, that, Texas last week was that up was there. That was one. Bama, Texas is another. LSU, Florida State on that. Was that late, Labor Day or was that the Sunday? I can't remember. That, that was a, the Sunday, yeah. That had a lot of buildup being mm-hmm. the preseason buildup to two teams that had national title aspirations. And it was like that's the one game that's really good. But I think this game coming at the midway point and – all these teams the, have earned right, their standing right All now. of the data mm-hmm. that we've collected, both of these teams being in the top ten, this I haven't been this excited about a college football game in a while. This is going to be thrilling. All, And you think about it, too. The These teams, like preseason when we saw this matchup on the calendar for this week, it was like, all right, that's going to be a good game, but it's not going to be what USC-Notre Dame is going to be. Yeah. No, this is, I won't say way better than USC-Notre Dame, but this is by... Far from me. I'll say it's way the, better than USC Notre Dame. Notre I, Dame's got two losses. If Notre Dame's seven and zero tonight, meaning, the meaning isn't there. But I still think that could be a fantastic game. It's too. a huge rivalry. It's mm-hmm. a classic rivalry. If Notre Dame's seven and zero, that's the game of the year. USC Notre Dame both undefeated in South Bend. Touchdown prob- Jesus. Right. That's the game of the year. But these two teams, both top ten, both undefeated, both in the playoff conversation. This is what you ask for. It's funny you you say that because. Both you and I, I think, would say at this point in time, USC and Notre Dame, not in the playoff conversation. Just because of what you see coming down the pipeline for USC. The playoff conversation is what makes this game more dramatic than Oklahoma-Texas was a week ago because we both kind of agree the Big 12 is going to need someone else to do their dirty work if they want to get into the playoff. And that, like, so for me, this is the game. Looking at what you know about what's been accomplished already and also what's moving forward. Which team do you feel like needs this game more? Oregon. And which, well, from a Pac-12 standpoint, like if you're the Pac-12 commissioner right now, who are you rooting for if your interest is we need to get a team into the playoff this year? Well, if I'm the Pac-12 commissioner, I probably don't care because I put a fork through the conference. Um, I think Oregon, honestly. as though If you want to get a team into the playoff and you want a shot at a national championship, I think it's Oregon because I just view them as being the more complete team. I think Was- I think deep down, I think they would be rooting for Washington to get. I I think you can't go wrong with either. Who's one, the bigger brand? Oregon's the bigger brand, but Washington's the team that's been to a playoff too. I guess Oregon's been to. A, has Oregon, been, to, has Oregon been to two? I'm trying to think. Well, they had Mario, the national title game. Mariota played Ohio State, right? Was the yeah yeah yeah? So that was the first year of the playoff, correct? I'm trying. Yeah, I think so. I'm trying to remember like the the gaps in time there, but yeah. So I guess that yeah, they've both been to, to playoffs. So the the brands, yeah, Oregon's probably the bigger brand, but I just think that when you look at the the faces right now, like one of these teams has the Heisman favorite. 
and that's Michael Penix Jr., and that's Washington. And if you want to kind of go out with a bang as the Pac-12, imagine if you had the Heisman and a team in the playoff. Yeah, but then again, the flip side is if Oregon wins, Oregon you wins, get the bigger brand, and maybe you get Bo Nix as the Heisman favorite. Could happen. That's I, so. I like who who they're rooting for. I don't care. You know what I care about is that you and I are going against each we other. We're going head to head, and here. we've got a challenge bet on the line. There is an apparel company that mm-hmm. has worked with this show in the past mm-hmm. that gives out wonderful gear mm-hmm. for college football, mm-hmm. and we're putting a sweatshirt on the line. We are. A crew, do you want a crew neck? I can get you a crew neck instead. Of I'll let you know what I want when I win the bet. <laughs> All right. Likewise for you, like what if if you win and you want to cues whatever, I'll get you whatever you want, dude. But some of their the Washington deal. stuff is amazing. You're on the Huskies. I'm on the Ducks. The winner gets a sweatshirt. So is it that's te- the deal? Is it team of choice or like am I getting you Oregon and you're getting me Washington? Whatever you want. Maybe I'll ask for Ole Miss. Maybe I'll ask I, for some funky thing. I thought you were going to ask for App State. Maybe I'll ask for App State. Maybe I'll get that Tulane crew neck that's Whoa. really cool. The green wave. I don't know. Maybe I will go with Oregon. We'll see. But that's what's on the line. Between Tyler and I, a sweatshirt is on the line. You got the Huskies. I got the Ducks. We go head to head. And we are doing a straight up bet? Or is it with points? No, straight up. Straight winner up. of the All game. Right, good. The good, winner of the I game. I wasn't going to take your points bet. Coward! All right, when we come back, what a collapse last night. I don't know if anyone stayed up late to watch, but we saw one of the biggest collapses in college football this year. A lot of people have been tweeting at me this morning wanting me to talk about it. Yes. So, uh, here we go. Can Deion Sanders win a championship at some point in his career? We'll discuss next. Chicago's College Tailgate returns in a flash on ESPN Chicago. Now back to the show. Sh- sh- show. Chicago's College Tailgate has it all with Shay and Tyler on ESPN Chicago. I don't know if you stayed up for it last night, but Colorado. Coach Prime going down, blew a 29-point lead. They were up 29-0 at halftime. At halftime. I will be honest, 29-0, I, I stopped paying I stopped attention. Watching. And because then, the way that they were moving the football, too, I mean, they were getting up and down the field with no issues, and Stanford couldn't do anything. Stanford missed a field goal. Stanford a chip shot, yeah. turnover. Like, it was mm-hmm. not going Taking well. bad sacks. It was not going well for the Cardinal. 29 nothing buffs. And I'm like, all right, I'm out of, I'm not interested in this game anymore. All good. And I then look at the score on my uh, action app on my phone, and I see 29-19. And I mm-hmm. go, oh, wait a minute. Texted you right away. Yeah. Do we need to pay? So I turned the game on. I ended up falling asleep. But I went back, and this morning before I got here, I looked at what happened in that fourth quarter. And I looked at some of the things, the decisions that Deion Sanders made. And I think in all of this, like, I know that I've been the quote-unquote anti-Colorado guy. I've never been rooting against Dion. 
I've never been rooting against Colorado. Yeah, I've yeah. been rooting against Just the hype it. around them. Just say it. No, it's never been about, I hate Dion and I hope he fails. I don't. I hope Dion has success. I hope that what he builds through the NIL, the portal, embracing the kids as kids and not as commodities, it's rare in this sport, and I hope that he has success with it. But I think we've all forgotten amid the huge media hype um, like the Fox Big Noon broadcasts mm-hmm. and the virtual recruiting pitches by Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt in game. Look at what a great experience this is for the students that come to Colorado. Offsets on the sideline. Can we hear from Offset? Like, that's what I had issues with. And people, it felt like the media, especially nationally, started putting the cart in front of the horse. Boy, this Colorado team and what he's built, this could be incredible. And last night was a really bucket of cold water reminder that this Colorado team, despite Dion, despite the cool factor, despite everything that's come with it, still sucks. It's a bad football program. That's okay. They were 1-11 last year. They brought in 51 transfers. Already over their win total this year. Winning four games should be viewed as an enormous success. What happened last night, though, had me think about something. Dion at Jackson State put together this incredible program. They were huge favorites in every game, the undefeated seasons. And then they get to the national championship game where they were typically favored. And they never won it. And, like, now you go to Colorado, and in a game against Stanford, a team that lost outright to Sacramento State. Like, Stanford might be the single worst team in FBS football. And you blow a 29-0 lead. And there were decisions that I thought were unbelievably bad by Deion Sanders. First, you bring Travis Hunter back. You had him set out the three weeks for his own health. And then you let him play over a hundred snaps again. And if you go and look at the second half, like I did this morning, he was out of gas and he's getting cooked. And he played great in that first half. He played incredible. But then you just can see it in the second half. Stanford getting big plays, chunks, getting back in the end zone, finding ways to score. And they are cooking Travis Hunter. He wasn't on empty. He was beyond empty. You look at some of the touchdowns that they had and the big plays that they had. I mean, 97-yard touchdown, 60-yard touchdown. Like, it was splash plays for Stanford in the second half. It's picking on Travis Hunter, who was just out of gas. And I think you look at Dion. Maybe you take Travis Hunter out of the game and the same thing happens because the depth isn't there. The replacement player is not at that level. But then you get to overtime and you have a chance to win a football game and you win a coin toss and you do the single dumbest thing you can do in college football. When you win the coin toss in overtime, you take the football Mm -hmm. and you go first. You don't have the final chance to make the decision and how the game ends. Like, I understand the idea. Put pressure on the opponent and make them play from behind. We'll take the lead first. The problem is you take control away from yourself. If you have the ball last, you have the decision. Do we want to go for two and end this? Mm -hmm. You have the choice. He didn't do it just once. He did it twice. In the second overtime, he takes the football again. And Shadur Sanders, who was excellent, throws an interception, and Stanford walks you off with a, full, with a field goal because you let, let them control the end of the game. 
You gave them the power. It's like a home team in baseball deciding they're going to hit in the top of the ninth. It makes no sense. You can't do it. And I just think, like, for everything Dion's great at, the recruiting, the NIL, embracing the kids, motivating the kids, at some point you got to be a football coach. And I just think, think that part he's not great at. Do you think that was, I don't want to say not realizing because that's not the right word, but did his own hubris get in the way? Did I don't he try to, try I can't to, say that. I don't want to say that. Like, I don't want to say it's his ego. I just, like, he's an aggressive style of coach. But that's not even aggressive. It's like, just dumb. Yeah. It's dumb. And, it, like, you again, you look back to being favored in the FCS Natty games, and he couldn't win them. And then you get this game, and it's just, to me, it's a reminder. It's why I laughed when, again, the national media hype. Could Deion Sanders go to the NFL? The NFL? Are you out of your mind? Are chains and NIL deals and sunglasses going to work for the NFL? You have to be a football coach. And I just, in a big moment last night where it should not have been a big moment against one of the worst teams in the country, horrible decision-making by a guy who at the end of the day on Saturdays is going to have to be a football coach. And I just wonder if that's going to happen. Look, could he go to Texas A&M and get a ton of resources, all of the oil money, you get huge recruiting classes, you get huge transfers? I don't think that's the big thing for him. I think the big thing for him will be if he does end up taking one of those really big maybe SEC jobs or something like that or a Florida State sometime down the line. If he takes one of those jobs, he'll have a much bigger budget to go out and get assistance that can help him out with some of the stuff that's going to be really important because like right now i started thinking he has to find his version of what Dabo had with brett venables i started thinking about it tyler because i'm like the way that this has all been hyped around Deion sanders the cart is way in front of the horse and everybody's like it's not a question of if he'll win a national type uh title it's a question of when he'll win a national title and after last night i'm back to it's a question of if because i haven't seen like Dion make good decisions on Saturdays. Here's just hasn't happened yet. Here's where he's at right now. He's in a an echelon of coach where he can compile enough talent to get to a playoff, but I don't know if he can compile enough talent or can put it all together from a coaching standpoint too to win in the playoff. Can he be one of the great CEOs that puts the talent together, motivates like the Dan Campbell of the Lions, where maybe it's Ben Johnson stirring the drink. It's Ben Johnson taking care of the big decisions offensively and getting everything going. He's the tactician, and Dan Campbell's the motivator. Can Dion do that? Sure. And then maybe you can win a national title when you have a million-dollar assistant coaching pool and you can go get seven-figure assistants who can make some of those decisions for you. I just, the way it is right now, I mean, those are huge coaching blunders. You can't give Travis Hunter 100-plus snaps in his first game back from an injury. You can't do it. He wasn't ready about, for it. They were talking about that in the first half of the game. Like, what's his snap count going to be for a game like this where he has been out for a couple now and he's getting back into the swing of things, especially the the devastating and violent nature of what his injury was, too. I mean, that was a big-time hit. That's going to knock you out for a little yeah. bit. 
For all the for all the flack we've given Mario Cristobal this week, deservedly so. Like every broadcast is bringing up one of the dumbest coaching decisions ever to not take an E. Mm-hmm. I kind of think Dion is in Mario Cristobal territory. No, not no. I'm not saying in that decision making process. I'm saying in the tier of like guy can assemble a really good program. He'll recruit a ton of talent. He'll put things together. But when the game is on the line, do you can trust you him to make a big decision? If anything, I think that the the Mario Cristobal thing is unbelievably stupid. Well, it's inexplicable. Like, unbelievably all-time stupid. But at the same time, that's such an easy fix. Right? Well, that would, you, you would think, but he did it before against yes, Stanford yeah, against when Stanford, he was with yeah. Oregon. Mm-hmm. So, it, like, it just to me, the, it, there's a tier of guys. James Franklin's another one. Where I know you're going to put together a really talented team, but when it comes to the big moments on a Saturday, are you going to make the big decisions? Are you going to deliver what your team needs from you as a football coach to get them over the top? And Dion, for me, so far, hasn't. It's like the one thing that I don't like about him. I love everything about Dion Sanders, college football coach. But when you talk about the in-game decisions, they're bad. All right, when we come back, let's go through the list of coaches and figure out who actually can win a national championship. Who, Not necessarily this year, but at some point in their career, who still can win a national championship. We'll do that when we return here on Chicago's College Tailgate. Chicago's College Tailgate returns in a flash on ESPN Chicago. Chicago's College Tailgate. Now back to the show with Shay and Tyler on ESPN Chicago. Don't forget, we will be out and about next week, week from today, out at Fatty's in DeKalb. We'll be doing the show live there, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. So if you're in the DeKalb area, we'd love to see you. Tell your friends we'll have a great time there. All thanks to our friends over at Bud Light. Should be a good one there as we will be on site ahead of the Northern Illinois game that day. So always a a good time up at Fatty's in DeKalb. So looking forward to that, 9 to 11 a.m., Next week, a week from today, Saturday, October 21st. Good slate that week, too, if I'm not mistaken, as well. Big Penn State, Ohio State. Mm-hmm. A couple SEC games that are big, I think. So it should be a lot of fun out there. So join us a week from today as we do Chicago's College Tailgate live on the road for the first time, too, this year. So be exciting. Look, looking forward to that. All right. We were discussing before the break team teams and coaches more so coaches that can, not this year necessarily, but at some point yeah. in their careers, win a national title. And it was all kind of centered around the conversation of Deion Sanders. Can he one day win a national title? If you look through the I think there's a couple guys that you can just automatically check and say, yes, that, that guy can win a national title over the next, what, five to ten years? Yeah, and just kind it, of the, the like, we're working this with here. Is, it's almost... I would expect a national title from certain coaches. I think they're in the caliber of guys. Like, great example, Kalen DeBoer at Washington. Yeah. Has put together an amazing program. He's a guy that, like, as this builds, I don't think they're going to stop getting wide receivers at the level that they're getting them. Like, they're going to continue to play high-level offense. If he stays at Washington, I think he can win a title there. I think he could go anywhere else and win a title. Mm -hmm. Like, he'll be in the bidding for some of the best jobs. the transfer portal, too. I mean... His best player and the Heisman guy that he's got right now is a, a guy that he plucked from Indiana, of all places. Who would have thought that's the place you're getting 
a potential Heisman winning quarterback. Yep. A guy that maybe leads you to a playoff or maybe leads you to a Pac-12 championship, too. And then there's guys on the other side of the coin who consistently are on the doorstep but never quite get over the hump. James Franklin is the first one to pop into my mind as somebody who, like, he'll build talented teams, he'll run a good program, but I just See, don't I buy that he can win the big game. He's a doorstep guy. To me, doorstep me, doorstep guy is At least Jim makes Harbaugh. the playoff. Jim Harbaugh's the doorstep Do guy you for think, me. All right, so let's start with Harbaugh. Do you okay. think Harbaugh can win a national championship? And it would be at Michigan because he will either right. die there or go to the NFL. Yes, I, I think he can. I, I do think he can. I think he recruits at a high level. He's in a good, like Michigan's a good recruiting ground for football as well. You're going to win a lot of in-state battles that way. The brand is there. I, I think the Jordan brand stuff does matter. For kids too. Do you know Michigan was seventeenth in recruiting? Were they? He recruits good enough, but I, for a but team that's going to be a national title team, I'm whatever, not sure he's recruiting whatever, as well as he should. Whatever you want to say about JJ McCarthy, that was a big time get for him. Yeah, that was a big time get for him on the recruiting trail. Now, Absolutely. things haven't developed maybe the way that he would have liked, but defensively, he's built out. I think he's done a good job of developing defense too. Struggles because, getting five stars, but he. Builds four stars, mm-hmm. and I think the thing that four they, stars start to play like five stars. The thing he does maybe better than anybody is he finds players who fit his system. Mm-hmm. That's huge. Yes. My question is, can that system eventually beat playoff teams? I I think I think it can. Uh, listen, they very well could go out and win it this year. Yeah, like, this is the year for this, them. I like, think a year where, and I think that now that we're getting into the era of. It feels like the playing field is leveling out a little bit. There's no true great team this year. This could be the year where we see it end up coming to fruition. What about Brent Venables? Brent Venables, I, I, I think can. He's done I it as an assistant he's at Clemson. As, uh, yep, he's done it as an assistant. It took a lot to pry him away from that assistant role, too. Like He, was in a, he had the best assistant job not just in, in college football, but in all of sports. He had the best assistant coaching job. I have an interesting one for a team that really feels like this is the year they need to get it done. What about Steve Sarkeesian? No, because Arch Manning is going to be there. What He's is that? Gonna... You mean no, like he can't win a title? No. Or yeah, you yes, mean in, the, few, in the next yeah, few yeah, years? Yeah, yeah. You're saying, I don't think it's a now or never for him. Okay. I just, looking at that Oklahoma game again and some of the red zone play calling from Sark, not great. Like, again, it's a guy who, big moment decision making, I still have to see it. I, yes, that's that's fair, but he's gone out and won some big recruiting battles, True. too. And I think you put him at Texas. Consistently top three in recruiting. You put him at Texas, too, where there's plenty of backing there. As long as the, the boosters have your back, you're in a position to succeed. So I think Sark can, yes. You got any for me? How about, How about Ryan Day? Ryan Day, I'm going to go no. You, you got to like beat the, Michigan first. It feels like the shine is, is really wearing off there. Um, Do you think if they don't beat Michigan this year, they might move on? I think they give it one more year. One more year because it's a young quarterback this year. I, I just feel like at schools like that, you have to beat your rivals. And this year is... Like, there were high expectations with McCord. Felt like this was a team that should be contending. And it's another kind of, boy, like, the team just doesn't look great. They look sluggish in all their games. Off the bye against Maryland, looking horrible for a half is really concerning. 
I have three quick hitting names for you here. Brian Kelly. No. Jimbo Fisher. No. Enough. You know what, Jimbo Fisher? Get out of college football. Like if oh. you can, if this A and M team, this culmination of everything he's built, looks the way they look, you can't beat this version of Bama in your own crib. Enough. How about Kyle Whittingham? <sighs> it won't be at Utah. Yeah, it wouldn't be Utah. He's, but he's. The thing is, he's been at Utah forever. I imagine he's going to be at Utah forever. He just builds elite defenses. Like, if he trips and falls into getting an elite quarterback to go to Salt Lake City, I could see it. Quite frankly, I don't know if Cam Rising is elite, but he's a damn good one. But if you get, like, a Heisman caliber guy, guy. or if you embrace the portal and you pay, you know, if you go out and you pay $6 million like the Notre Dame did with Hartman, could I see it at Utah? It's just Utah, could they win the Pac-12 and go to the playoff? Yes. Then can you beat... Whatever juggernaut comes out of the Big Ten or the SEC, I don't know. All right, last two. They're squaring off today real quick. Dan Lanning and Kalen DeBoer. Yes for both. I would say... I'm all in on Dan Lanning. He's been really impressive. I, I, I really like Lanning. I, I still give a slight edge to, to Kalen DeBoer, though. All right. Because of, I th- feel like he's working a little bit for more of a deficit there to, to build the program to where it is. All right, when we come back, believe it or not, we are at the halfway point of college football. We will give you our biggest surprises and disappointments. That's coming up next. Shay and Tyler. Tyler. Chicago's college tailgate returns in a flash on ESPN Chicago.